Good morning. Welcome to God's house, and a special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us today. Can you believe it? We're already in the month of October. And one of the things that's promoted in October around our country is cancer awareness. So many people affected by that. It's encouraged to get regular checkups so you can catch it early, regular screenings. It's a matter of life and death. Yet God comes to us today with an even more urgent matter of life and death. Get screened for sin. Do it. Repent and obey. That's the theme of our service. You'll see it carried out in our readings and songs and sermon. We'll follow along with the order of service as it's printed out for you in the worship folder and projected on the wall. Let's begin with our opening hymn, 588. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Holy God, gracious Father, I am sinful by nature, 
and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment, both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mercifully grant, O God, that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts, for without your help we are unable to please you. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. When it comes to regular sin screenings, some people choose just to make excuses. It's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. It's society's fault. It's always, always someone else. The Lord says in our first lesson from Ezekiel chapter 18, my ways are just. Each person is accountable individually, but he doesn't want anyone to perish. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The parents eat sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As surely as I live, declared the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child. Both belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Hear you, Israelites. Is my way unjust? Is it not your ways that are unjust? If a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin, they will die for it. Because of the sin they have committed, they will die. But if a wicked person turns away from the wickedness they have committed and does what is just and right, they will save their life. Because they consider all the offenses they have committed and turn away from them, that person will surely live. They will not die. Yet the Israelites say, The way of the Lord is not just. Are my ways unjust, people of Israel? Is it not your ways that are unjust? Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. The word of the Lord. In our psalm for today, we are reminded that so often people are rebellious in their younger years, and they remember that, they hold on to that, they struggle with that guilt. But only the Lord, with his mercy and compassion, can wipe away sin when we turn to him in repentance today. We sing the psalm together.
was one person ever with no sin who always obeyed as a servant. He is both our Savior and our example, as we hear in our second lesson from Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Please stand. from Matthew 21, it's basis for our sermon today. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Then he said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise 
Please be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word we consider in the sermon, the gospel from Matthew 21. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There was an awful lot of talk. A very prominent professional football player had a lot of good seasons, even a Super Bowl victory, but so much talk, talking himself up, talking others down. Then there was all kinds of talk about being traded to a different football team, all kinds of talk negotiating the right salary for him and haggling over other players that would be on the team with him. After all this talk, the first game, first quarter of the season, goes down with a season-ending leg injury. What a disappointment for the fans of that football team, uh, let down for all of the fellow players on that team, all the financial loss for that organization. 
Now, some over here in this state might, might say, oh, serves him right. All that talk, and now he can't walk at all. Yet the Lord confronts you and me today with a similar question. All the talk? Are you walking the walk? Where's your follow-through with your intentions and your life as a Christian? Don't just talk the talk. Walk the walk. Charged by God and also changed by God. The Lord Jesus, he was walking the walk. He said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and he did. He rode humbly into Jerusalem on a donkey, and there he walked into the temple courts and drove out the money changers, turning over the temples of those, turning over the tables of those selling doves. The Lord Jesus walked the walk there. This is God's house, my father's house. It's a place of prayer. For his people to pray, not, not for others to pray on his people, making money off of worshipers. Jesus went into action, walking the walk. But the Jewish leaders took issue with Jesus. They confronted him there in the temple courts, the chief priests did, as well as the elders of the people. They said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Well, they knew about Jesus' authority. Back in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus told a paralyzed man that his sins were forgiven. They questioned his authority. Who does he think he is? He's blaspheming. Jesus showed them his authority. He not only healed that paralyzed man, pick up your mat and go home, but also forgave his sins. As the crowds listened to Jesus preach and teach, they were amazed at his authority because he taught not like their teachers of the law. With substance, commanding presence, unfolding God's word. And then not long before this gospel lesson in Matthew 21, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Everyone knew that far and wide. They knew Jesus had authority from God. Yet instead of spell that out for these Jewish leaders, Jesus decided to ask them a question to lead them toward the right path. John's baptism. Where did that come from? Was it from heaven or was it just from a human? Well, John the Baptist himself had answered that question when some Jewish leaders sent some Levites to go and ask him, who are you? He said, I'm the one, the voice in the wilderness, crying out, make straight the way for the Lord. I am the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40. John confessed that he was from heaven, sent by the Lord. The people recognized that, yet the Jewish leaders, they rejected it. Now, if they would have said, from heaven, in order to agree with the people, they would have been revealed as hypocrites. Why didn't you believe him then? Yet if they would have answered how they truly thought, what they truly believed, that John was just a man, then they were afraid of the people who would stone them because they held John to be a prophet sent from heaven. 
Jewish leaders were stuck. He said, we don't know. We don't have an answer for you. This was really a matter of authority. The Jewish leaders, they wanted to be in charge. They had to call the shots. They wanted the say-so. And they didn't want anyone to tell them otherwise. Yet isn't that a lot like you and me? We don't want to listen to those who have authority from heaven, those charged by God to point out our crooked ways. Children who want to disobey their parents and be wild with their grandparents and their teachers. I'm not going to do that. Those people have authority from heaven. They're charged by God. The fourth commandment says so. Or people who won't listen to the elders of the church and the pastor who come to them earnestly with a concern based on scripture. Those people are charged by God. Authority from heaven, Hebrews 13 says so. Or people who know what Jesus' words say. I'm not going to listen to that. I want to do my own thing. We're so much like those Jewish leaders. We make things look clean on the outside, but then the greed and the stinginess on the inside, hearts that hold on to hatred, wandering eyes that go after people who aren't our own spouses, jealousy of other people's financial or family situation, our own favorite sins. We, in effect, say to the Lord, who are you? What authority do you have? I'm going to do what I want. Yet everyone will see Jesus' authority clearly on the last day. That's what our second lesson was talking about. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. He has the authority. He is charged by God. Yet for those who refuse to acknowledge it until then, it'll be too late. They'll see Jesus' authority to condemn Yet to all those who are humbled by Jesus' authority, Jesus points to baptism. Just like he did with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law there, pointed them to John's baptism, to you and me today too. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptized by Jesus' command, with the name of the Father who loved the world, the Son who died for the world, the Spirit who sets apart from the world, you and me, baptized into God's name, his saving name. God saved us by the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Baptism now saves you also. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off. Jesus says so. He has authority to save, and he uses baptism to do it. In your baptism, you are clothed with Christ. Everyone who is baptized into Christ is clothed with Christ, the one who walked the walk for us. 
He walked through life, perfectly obedient to God's law. He walked to the cross, obedient to death. And he still walks with us always to the very end of the age, walks among us, his people. The Lord looks down from heaven and says to you, you've walked the walk, covered with Christ's righteousness, because the one in charge, Jesus, says so. We're not only charged by God under his authority, we're also changed by God. Jesus told this parable of the two sons, a short parable, but a powerful one. You notice the relationship of the individuals in Jesus' parable. There's a father-son relationship, not just random strangers, not people hired off the streets, but a father-son, a close relationship. This was the relationship that God had with the children of Israel. Whether they were farmers or fishermen, whether they were from Judea or Galilee, men or women, young or old, whether they worked at the tax collector's booth or in the temple. Children of Israel should have had high expectations as children of God. They should have consented and also carried through on God's commands. They should have obeyed him in his word and in their ways. And that's what makes their disobedience so great. They both fell short. The first one said, I will not go. Blatant, bold disobedience. Someone says that, others notice, just like the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Theirs was a very visible disobedience, direct disobedience. And people in the community knew that. There are some sins that are maybe more noticeable than others here in the village. How many people aren't there that, well, everybody knows what he's done or what she's been a part of. Yet that first son changed his mind and went and worked in the vineyard. The second son, he said all the right things, put on a great show, knew just what to say. I will, sir. I'll go. But he didn't. And his disobedience was never resolved, never corrected, never turned around. The chief priests and the Jewish leaders, they were not walking the walk. Yet that's what John the Baptist came to point out. The way of righteousness, the right way to walk. John the Baptist made the mountains low, filled in the valleys, evened them out, smoothed the rough ways, straightened the crooked roads. How did this happen? How did John show the way of righteousness? Repent and be baptized. The word that Jesus uses for repent here has the idea of changing your mind. And that's what John's message and his ministry did. He changed people's minds about their sin with the law. You brood of vipers, you offspring of Satan, Produce good fruit, or you'll be chopped down. The axe is at the root of the tree. You'll be thrown into the fire. So changed people's minds about God with the gospel. Be baptized for the forgiveness 
of your sins. Look to the one coming after me, the one who is greater than I am. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He will come and harvest you home into God's eternal storehouses. And by the power of the Spirit, John's ministry made some changes. People were forgiven. People followed the Lord again. People produced fruits of righteousness, fruits of repentance, made a change in people's lives. People went from being selfish to sharing with those in need. Give you the tunic off my back. Those who had two tunics gave to those who had none. Tax collectors, no longer just cheats, but they collected what they were supposed to. Soldiers went from corrupt to credible. No longer falsely accusing people or extorting people. John the Baptist's ministry brought about change. John's baptism made some changes by God. Loose women left their life of sin, now loyal to the Lord. And that's what baptism does for you and me too. It changes us. God not only declares us not fallen, forgiven. No longer crooked, you're cleansed. No longer governed by sin, but guided by your Savior. Not just an, an old creature, but a new creation. Not an enemy, but an ally. You who are baptized in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, isn't it? He says that you were therefore buried with Christ through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, you too might live a new life. Therefore, offer all the instruments of your body to the Lord as instruments of righteousness, changed by God. Eyes that see someone in need, feet that go and help them, an arm that goes around their shoulder, hands that help, ears that listen without jumping to conclusions, a mouth that speaks the truth in love. All changed by God in baptism. We go from being greedy to giving. We go from being selfish to serving, from adulterous to pure. God changes us in baptism. This is how we walk the walk. Forgiven, changed, and following the Lord. Even for those Jewish leaders and the chief priests, Jesus longed for them to have a change of mind. See what he said to them then. I tell you the truth, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. If we could have only seen those Jewish leaders' faces, the coming out of their ears. What? Sinners ahead of us? A little bit of jealousy going on there. Yet the Lord can use jealousy, a little bit of envy, to move people to change their minds. Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 11 too. Salvation has come to the Gentiles so that the Jews 
might become envious and return to the Lord. Paul was proud of his ministry among the Gentiles so that in some way the Jews, his own people, might become envious and repent, have a change of mind. Imagine the stubborn Jewish uh, people in the Old Testament, how they felt when they read about Rahab the prostitute. She followed the Lord. Or Naaman the Aramean general. He followed the Lord. Or the people of Nineveh who repented when the Lord sent them the prophet Jonah. A little jealous, a little envious. Or people in the church today here in America when they hear how people are hungering over in China or Vietnam, down in Central America or in Africa, hungering for God's word. Even Muslims being converted, repenting. The Lord is jealous for everyone he has redeemed. That is why he is so persistent in pursuing sinners, sinners like us, Repent, walk the walk, changed by God. You do not need to be able to scramble for a first down. You don't need to be able to run in for a touchdown or leap up into the first row of the stands. You don't have to have the energy of a five-year-old. You could perhaps take a little longer to get from place to place using your cane or your walker or your chair. But Each one of us can walk the walk, following Jesus and his representatives charged by God to point out our crooked ways. We can walk in righteousness, cleansed and forgiven in our baptisms. We can walk through life with new obedience in thanks to Jesus, our Savior. Don't just talk the talk. Walk the walk. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated for prayer. Eternal Lord, give us peace as we ponder the good news that you forgive our sins in Christ. Lead us to see clearly the path that you have laid out for us. Provide courage and compassion to all who preach and teach your word. Fill them with a love like yours as they proclaim your grace to us and to all people. Guard and guide the families of our congregation. 
Lead husbands and wives to love each other with commitment, respect, and patience. Help parents to grasp the eternal value of keeping their children close to Jesus all their lives. Grant joy to those who are single and make them a blessing to others. Provide wisdom and insight to those who make laws and set policies. Give us respect for those who protect us from crime. Lead us to value the rights of our fellow citizens and to defend those who cannot defend themselves. Give us passion to share the story of your love with our family and friends. Overcome unbelief and open the hearts of people everywhere to believe the good news that Jesus has forgiven their sins and opened the gates of heaven. Extend your healing power to those who are sick and suffering in body or mind. Give patience and compassion to all who care for the sick and dying. Lord God, you established marriage in the beginning as a blessing for households and society. Please bless Mike Berg and Marin Romanowski as they are joined in marriage next Saturday. Give them faithfulness to each other, joy in your love from Christ, and growth in faith as they walk together toward the wedding feast of the Lamb in glory. And Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. Please be with the family of Pastor Vic Hedrick as they mourn his passing last weekend. Please bless the funeral service this afternoon. Comfort all who mourn. Dry the tears of all who weep. Be with us. Help us to hold tightly to the eternal life that you have won for us by your cross and empty tomb. And hear us, Lord, as we pray in silence. Gracious God, you govern and direct all things, and you love all people. Hear our prayers, spoken and silent, and answer them in your wisdom and grace. Continue with our next hymn.
Please stand. Blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart, that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. You may be seated for our final hymn. Thank you so much for joining us in God's house today. A couple of